You're listening to the Canadian Country Music Podcast. Here's your host, Tim Albertson. Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Canadian Country Music Podcast. This is episode three. I am your host, Tim Albertson, a Canadian country music artist and lover who has been infatuated with all things country music since I was young. On today's episode, we have the latest music releases this week, including a new track by Mr. Alan Doyle. We also have some congratulations to give out to one particular Canadian country artist who has broken a 14-year record. Also, some Canadian concert cancellations, but some concert announcements. And, of course, our chat with the amazing, talented Al Rowe. Before we get to the news, shout out to our sponsor, Hooligan Fuel Hot Sauce. Last week, I told you about them and how this small company has grown into this incredible business in the last year. With incredible flavors like the original Creeping Heat, Life's a Peach, Limey Bastard, Busca Nut, and Birthday Biatch, there is literally a sauce for every occasion and for everyone. What's better, these two have new flavors coming out all the time, including their new coffee-infused hot sauces. Mean Muggin, a sweet and creamy sauce, and Roast Rage, a savory and dark flavored sauce. I cannot wait to try them. You can get your sauces today because why? They ship all across the country. Find them today at www.facebook.com slash hooligan. That's H-O-O-L-I-G-A-N Fuel Hot Sauce. Tell them our podcast sent you and you can thank me later. All right, everybody, here we go. It's time for our new releases and the news. So let's get going. All right, guys, this week's new releases have been brought to you by Soundcheck Entertainment. Shout out, Soundcheck. Canadian country music playlist on Spotify. So here we go. Back Home on the Island by Alan Doyle. Letting Me Go, The Stripped Remix by Marshall Dane, Cincinnati by Jesse Rhodes, and Crier by Melanie Brule. Making headlines this week in Canadian country music. First, the bad news. We have some major festival cancellations to announce. Unfortunately, with COVID numbers increasing, more and more festivals are having to cut their losses again this year. Festivals such as the Cavendish Beach, Boots and Hearts and Thunder Bay's own Country on the Bay and many more have been postponed their 2021 festival and push it back to 2022. And although it's a sad day, I really do feel like 2022 will be able to fully enjoy and experience festivals again. So hold on, festival friends. Time is coming soon. There is light at the end of the tunnel. If you need some hope, just look down south to the States. South of the border, some artists are starting to get back into gear, announcing full tours. ACM's Artist of the Year, Luke Bryan, Chris Stapleton, and Thomas Rhett have announced tour dates, and although they do not have Canadian dates, it's really nice to see some sort of normal returning around us. And lastly this week, we have an extremely big congratulations to give out for the first time in 14 years, a Canadian artist is number one on U.S. radio. 
Tennille Art's single, Somebody Like That, has hit number one and is also the first song in country radio history that's written, produced, and sung by a female artist. Congratulations, Tennille. And that's this week's news headlines. Now, on today's podcast, we have the amazingly talented Al Rowe. Al is a jack-of-all-trades, a singer-songwriter, producer, recording engineer, and artist, a backing artist for multiple Canadian country musicians, such as Beverly Mahood and David James. Oh, yeah. And he's a music teacher. I met Al years ago when we were in our late teens. I was a concert promoter in Thunder Bay and had heard about this band called Aberdeen who played a show at one of our local high schools and on their way home, we booked a gig for them. Now, when you're booking a gig, you want something in your resume that would catch the reader's attention and Aberdeen had it. They had recently been featured as a backing band to Demi Lovato and the Jonas Brothers in the Disney movie Camp Rock 2. As Al left the city, we connected through social media and I followed Al in his career, continued into his post-secondary and later into his music career. It wasn't until after a decade later, our paths would cross again. When I was asked to open for Aaron Perchett's out on the town tour, also on the tour was Kira Isabella and a newcomer, David James, with backing guitarist and vocalist behind him, Al Rowe. Now, Al has been there and done that, so he was naturally a perfect guest for this show. So sit back and enjoy my chat with the one, the only, Mr. Al Rowe. All right, everybody, welcome to the Canadian Country Music Podcast, and please help me welcome the man of the hour, Mr. Al Rowe. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast, Al. Hey, Tim, thanks for having me. Oh, man. So me and you go back uh, quite a while back, uh, back when I was promoting when I was a teenager, you had come across the country in a band called Aberdeen. You guys had done a first, uh, your high school music tour, and it was kind of like a free tour that you guys had put on. And then I had seen and heard of you guys from that and kind of picked you guys up on the tour on the way back. And uh, you guys did some amazing things in that amount of time. And then I kind of followed you as you continued your career and you started a podcast. So thank you so much for coming on to spend a little bit of your time. I know you're a very, very busy guy when it comes to all this kind of stuff. So thank you so much. Uh, for the people who are listening today that have no idea who Al Rowe is, can you give them a brief little history on your music, where you came from, when you first decided that music was going to be your niche? And we'll go on from there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just again, thanks for having me. Uh, it's my pleasure to be here, and I'm happy to uh, to make the time to come on. This is really cool to to be chatting with you now. You know, on a podcast after after all these years, it's right? crazy how the connections you make when you're you know 20 or I was at the time. I'm not sure how many years difference there are between us, if any. But uh, you know, when I'm when I I'm 30 almost 33 now when i was yeah, 20 see, you know, i'm like, turning 32 so i would have been in my 18 19 year old okay age, so, yeah so close right so mm. you know it's just amazing you, you don't think of it then but the connections that you make at any point in your life you know 10 10 plus years later it's like here we are again um so yeah for those who don't know 
for what I do. I'm a, uh, I'm a singer-songwriter, guitarist, and record producer. I live in Toronto, Ontario. Uh, and I make the bulk of my living, or at least I did before uh, the pandemic, playing uh, in a supporting role for artists. So that would typically be as a guitarist or backup vocalist uh, or a keyboardist. Sort of, I could dabble in a few different instruments if, if that's what's needed. Um, and on the side of that, uh, producing records with my good buddies in the agenda. Uh, and what we do is, is basically provide a band and a producer and a mixer and, um, you know, a recording studio and whatever, uh, anybody might need to make a recording. If that's a single or a record or anything like that, uh, the four of us sort of pool our skills together and provide that in sort of one package. Um, so those are the two main focuses of, of my career. And then sort of somewhere in there is me singing and writing my own songs and recording those as well. Whenever you um, seem to have some time, eh? Yeah. So, um, so in terms of the, my background, I mean, like you said, I, I sort of started just playing in bands, uh, had a band called Aberdeen for a number of years. We did some touring. We, uh, learned a lot of things the hard way, uh, made a couple of records, and uh, it was a really great band and, and some of the best times of my life. Um, I'm very fortunate to just uh, feel like feel like I've always got something sort of amazing slash exciting going on. But looking back on that, it was it was really a unique experience and a, and a lot of great memories there. And then of course now you know getting to play with with artists like you know mm -hmm. Amanda Marshall, Beverly Mahood, David James who we ran into you on the road with David, yeah. uh, Leah Daniels, Vanessa Carter, uh, Chris Barclay. I, I'm sure forgetting people, the, the list goes on. Right. Um, right. You know, and, and, and just having so many great experiences uh, on stage in that role has been amazing too. So I sort of started out in the band scene. I ended up going to Humber College, uh, which is a music post-secondary school in Toronto. I have a bachelor's degree of music that I, I uh, got there. And yeah, and then sort of coming out of school, did uh, uh, some pretty heavy touring with Aberdeen uh, and then eventually kind of just transitioned into being like a bar musician, mm -hmm. just trying to make a living because um, as some of you may or may not know, like original music is, is not a great uh, earner in terms of <laughs> in terms of cash unless you're at the top yeah but when you're uh when you're a struggling rock band just you know trying to trying to make your way it's it's pretty much zero income um so and we can get into this later but but i eventually i you know did transition away from that and just sort of started trying to work uh and over the years uh actually just sort of reconnected with some of the guys that i'd known from humber college and that eventually became the agenda and just I've had a, you know, a great run of, I don't know, man, like seven plus years of just playing, you know, hundreds of shows with different artists traveling, uh, a lot of which are in the country scene and uh, making records. So it's, uh, it's been great. And uh, I don't plan on stopping anytime soon. So nor, nor do I want you to. Uh, so, yeah, so you actually, like as i know you anyways you've always been a vocalist and when i was promoting shows i don't know if you ever noticed through the shows that i did because i was a vocalist i always listened for the vocals and i always listened for somebody that had a unique sound to their vocals somebody that was completely out of the range that you couldn't really picture 
in another group that's why i picked you and that's why i would always do like take me to the pilot and uh crisis jane and those kind of guys they had that unique set of voice what made you kind of was it the fact that the country musicians kind of sought you out or were you kind of drawn towards the country aspect? Cause when me and you first met, I would have never expected us to be having a country music conversation. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, there was a certain, um, I don't know if pragmatics the right word, but it's probably not. I try to use big words and then, then I fall flat, but, uh, that's all right, there because was a if certain, you use big words, uh, I don't know what they mean. So you sound a lot smarter than I am. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was more like, I, I it was more of a slow, smooth transition. Um, playing in the bars, once I, you know, wasn't doing original pop, punk rock music anymore. Playing in the bars, uh, I wanted to be able to play a lot of the acoustic-driven music that I'd grown mm -hmm. up listening to. So... We're, you know, we're talking, and anybody who knows me is going to chuckle when they hear me say this, but we're talking bands like Matchbox 20, Bare Naked Ladies, yeah, yeah. Um, Third Eye Blind, um, you know, the list goes on, kind of like a 90s, 2000s, Goo Goo Dolls, you know, yeah, like it, bands like, like that. Yeah, tunes. That, yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. yeah, the more sort of, you know, less heavy, heavy metal, heavy rock side of the music that was going on at that time uh you know chili peppers incubus um I, I don't know i'll keep thinking more but <laughs> wanted to sort of dive into that genre a bit more because i'd listened to so much of it growing up mm. and i figured that a lot of people would really like it uh because i was playing college bars like we would drive out to like molly blooms in um in london i think it's on richmond street in london ontario which is from toronto uh, well, Scarborough, where I was living at the time, you know, three, almost a three-hour drive uh, in favorable traffic and weather and all the rest of that. We'd be doing that on a weekly basis oh, wow. uh, and playing, you know, bars in Guelph and stuff like that where, the, you know, people were like – the people there were like three, four years younger than me on average, let's say, because it was college university times mm -hmm. and I was sort of just out of college myself. Um, I figured I really like this music. I imagine a lot of people – uh at these bars are going to be like oh sweet i haven't heard this song since i was in grade seven this is awesome you know and get really fired <laughs> up back to you know wonderwall by oasis you know yeah you know still much overplayed stuff like that but like um they um yeah so so people would would you know really enjoy that music and from there it, it just kind of the country thing started to just sweep the sweep the nation you know like all of a sudden my brother who's who's got a sort of got his finger on the the pulse of whatever's happening mm -hmm. you know in, in in music and stuff like that he was all of a sudden going to country bars and going to festivals and showing me bands like zach brown band uh jason Alvin. when like i remember actually the very first country song that i really liked was uh a song called she's country by jason aldean oh, I'm, yeah. sure you, I'm sure oh, you yeah. know I don't know if it was first or second record, but like just realizing how unbelievably sick the guitar playing I was. And, pick up truck, daddy, sweet money, going jack yeah. it up. Yeah, that's a, such a solitude. Yeah, and like the guitar break in the middle and stuff, just being like, holy crap, this is good. And so, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, I started listening to more of, of 
country music. And then some of the guys mm-hmm. I was playing with at the time, who I still play with now, you know, Rich DeSilva, Will Hebs are like, you know, this, this country like this, this Zach Brown album is dope or like this, whatever, like we should, you know, maybe do some of these songs. I think people would really like them. So we kind of started including them in some of the bar sets we were playing. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then I guess it would have been, uh, it would have been Vanessa that really sort of brought us into that genre. Uh, and I think this, this, uh, the story goes that, that Rich, uh, Rich DeSilva, drummer for the agenda and, uh, Will Hebs, guitarist for the agenda, uh, subbed into Vanessa Marie Carter's band. Vanessa's a, a country artist from Oakville, Ontario that now lives in Nashville. Showed up, uh, How to deal with, uh, yeah, how to deal with Warner um, and is still, you know, releasing music now. Um, they, they subbed into her band at the time and she, I believe she was pretty, pretty new on the scene. And they basically said, hey, like, uh, if, you, if you ever need some other guys, like, we know a couple other guys that'd be a really good fit for this. Um, speaking of me and our friend Josh Cohen, who we were playing with a lot of the time, awesome. who's a great bass player, like, now lives in Madison, Wisconsin. And so, you know, we started rehearsing with her, and then that just sort of became she, – she, she booked a bunch of gigs at the uh, Corral and Kitchener and the, the one in uh, Stampede something or other in uh, Stampede Ranch in Guelph. You're familiar mm-hmm. with those giant mm-hmm. country bars. Absolutely. Um, and I don't know, I heard they may have closed or one of them did, but but she booked a slew of gigs there. And to me, I was just like, great, more shows. Like, let's go. Mm-hmm. You know, the music was good. It had guitars in it. it There's lots of good vocal parts. Like, I was down to play all this stuff. And, and you know, we all we all think she's a great artist and we wanted to support her and, and see where that went. So that was sort of how the country thing happened. Um, and uh, so it wasn't like I woke up one day and I was like, I want to be in the country scene. It just sort of, it just sort of went that way. And I'm very happy that it did. I think it's a great community and a great, uh, genre. And, um, yeah. And then from there, you know, just, just building connections, people would see us playing as, as a band for someone like Vanessa or, or somebody else like Leah. And they would say, Hey, like, can I just hire all you guys? It's going to be way easier than, picking, you know, individual people that I don't know. You guys all know each other. You know how to work all together. You know how to rehearse a song and a set and everything. It's like, great. So, yeah, so that's kind of how we ended up there. That's awesome. Now, do you you also see, like, your your solo career also kind of moving towards the country music because of that aspect? Mm, That's a good question. Um, I I don't really ever foresee myself being a country artist Mm -hmm. uh, just because – um i don't know i i i don't have that that low drawl kind of voice you know like i yeah yeah, i i can't get i can't you know i can't get down there you know it doesn't really happen for me so like but i've got this kind of weird skill didn't do it dan and she ain't doing it like that's true that's true i i think there's a definitely always going to be uh a part of my music that is is strongly inf- influenced by country because I've played nothing almost literally almost nothing but country for the last I don't know half half a decade to a decade right yeah, in terms of the enough. gigs I've been doing so mm-hmm. you know it's going to bleed in there and I and I've heard a lot of people say like oh I really hear like a you know the uh, the song sounds real country to me or your your voice sounds really country to me and it's like well I'm not really trying to do anything it's just this is what I've been doing for so long that I think it just sort of manifests in you a little bit um so 
I would love it for people to feel like my music fits in that genre because I think it's a great genre and I and I mm. love the 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 country music fans. So uh, if if my music is embraced by people like yourself and 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 other you know country music lovers, then I'm all for that and I would love that. But uh, I I don't know how you classify it either. It's just my my whole thing is like it's it's music with guitars and drums and and I'm you know I'm singing over that's it. Your, that's, that's your story that's on a six string and that's it. I guess so. Yeah. 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 All right. So Humber College, you graduated with your music degree. You made it in on vocals. You actually tried on vocals and guitar. Um, but anybody right. who's ever heard you on vocals would obviously realize that you should be in this program for it. Um, you almost dropped out of the program. Yeah. About halfway through year two, I was thinking about throwing in the towel. Yeah. Um, it's hard to remember exactly why that was, but I do remember having that feeling. And maybe it was more a feeling of just burnt, being burnt out. The program was, was pretty grueling. I was commuting uh, an hour and a half each way to get to school every day as well. Yeah. Because the campus is in Etobicoke, which is in the west end of Toronto. And I was living at my parents' house uh, almost in Pickering, which is kind of the far east end of the city. Um, and we have this thing called the GO train here that uh, – sort of runs along the the lakeshore and takes you from one end of the city to the other. The problem is it's just, it's a big city, man. It takes a while to get from one side to the next and there's transfers and, and whatever else. So I think the commute was difficult. And I also think that the, um, the program was just really, really tough. It was a gauntlet. I was around people who were way, way better than me at music all the time. And I felt like I really had to step up to what they had going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the focus of the program was jazz uh, at the time, which is not a genre that I really knew anything about, yeah, to yeah, be yeah. frank. I just figured that this program was a music program that wasn't classical, so it would be the closest thing to what I was looking for. Uh, and it gave a degree, which is something that I wanted to get. Were, so, were those your two um, options for Humber? Was it jazz or classical? Was there any other uh, degrees that you could have went through or...? No, they only had a jazz program as far as I know and still still do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know, you know, places like U of T have U of T jazz, but I think they also have a, a classical program. A lot of universities do. Um, I wouldn't have qualified for any of those based on my skill set. Um, I did qualify or I did uh, get accepted at uh, Western for like a business degree, which was something I was also considering just in case uh, yeah. I didn't get accepted to the music programs, mm-hmm. I wanted to. Uh, I, I've had an. I've always had an interest in finance and stuff like that. So I thought, you know, that might, that'd be an all right direction to go in as well. If if the, if the music schools won't take me. Well, also, yeah. if if you're trying to be successful in the music, a, a little bit of help in the finance department is always needed. So you went into the jazz program, um, and then from that, you basically kind of started. Uh, in your fourth year you got to record your own project yeah yeah so fourth year third year and fourth year really actually were huge for me i think you know second year was just was such a grind that i thought i might quit i -hmm. stuck it out and third year and fourth year were were really great because that was when i felt like i could sort of um do my own thing you know it it became encouraged again to like make some original music or like you know i was in a i was in a soul group at the school called the blue jackets that was oh, like yeah, a yeah. like you know, you'd have ensemble right where you were in 
um, you know, and they have bands of, of different styles and whatever. And that was the one that I, I got chosen to do. And it was sweet because I could finally like, it wasn't jazz anymore. I wasn't expected to like sing softly and nicely. It was like, no, nah, like, you know, let it rip. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I can do that. Nice. And, um, and so that kind of stuff. And then, yeah. And then the recording in fourth year was, was huge. I got a job at the studio to help pay my rent, uh, that they have a amazing recording studio at Humber and they needed somebody to sit at the desk and sign people in and out of various rooms. And that was my job for the, for fourth year. And basically the way that that worked was I was just kind of sitting around doing nothing for most of the time. And the computer, the um, computer at the desk, at the uh, reception desk had Pro Tools installed on it. Pro Tools is a music recording software Absolutely, and production yeah. software that I use every day now uh, for the work I do. And so I basically just, I was like, well, uh, I'm really interested in recording. And as you said, Tim, I, I did, I did have the opportunity to record my own projects. I was like, I'm going to edit it all myself. I'm going to do the best to mix it all myself. I'm going to do as much of it as I can by myself. I'm just going to learn how to use this software. I've got X amount of hours all the time while I'm working at this studio desk that nobody's in here. I'm just going to plug my headphones in and just go nuts and watch YouTube videos and figure this stuff out. So um, that's what I did. And yeah, the group uh, was Aberdeen. That was my band at the time. We'd been, we'd been a band together since uh, the middle of high school. And I said, well, guys, like I've got this, I've got uh, four hours of studio time. Like, yeah, come on down. Let's, let's make some, let's make some tracks. And then my friend Eddie, my friend Eddie, who was also in the program and now uh, Eddie Ryder, excuse me, now plays for Sean Mendez, um, was in Aberdeen with me at the time. And he was in Humber College with me at the time. We were in the same year. That's how we met. And he had four hours as well for his recording project. So he's, <laughs> all right, can we like, can we like combine our hours and yeah. like make a six song EP instead of making, you know, three songs each? Like, why don't we just, you know, combine it? And they let us do that which was amazing. And so, yeah, we brought the band in and did six tracks. And uh, yeah, like I said, I edited it all. I, I just tried to do as much as, as I possibly could by myself. And uh, that was uh, a lot of how I learned how to yeah, record and, and use Pro Tools and stuff like that. That's impressive. How, how long do you, would you say that it would have taken you like just trying to look through all the YouTube stuff to actually start getting an idea of how Pro Tools work? Because I've looked at Pro Tools before, and it, it might as well be written in Sanskrit for all I can tell. <laughs> uh, well, my friend Eddie, who I just mentioned, he was ahead of me by a couple of years, maybe even more. He'd been he had uh, Pro Tools, I think, on his computer at home, and he'd been using it to record and produce. He's very interested in doing all that stuff. So, fortunately for me, I, I had a I had a phone a friend line anytime I got <laughs> stuck. I, I, I literally like you know the most basic questions about the software and anybody out there who's used it knows it's like well when i push play no sound is coming out why and i phone him and he'd be like well you gotta set your playback engine you gotta set this and that and just troubleshooting and just figuring all that it's a there's a huge barrier to entry if you're trying to learn this software so fortunately i had eddie to to mentor me um and yeah i mean but just hours and hours. I couldn't tell you. I would do entire edits of a track and then realize that I didn't have my drum group turned on. Therefore, I have to do it all again because now the drums are all out of sync with each other. <sighs> or I would do, 
you know, yeah, just like stuff like that, like a bunch of times, you know, or like you, you know, you learn the, the control S lesson pretty quick as well. If you're not saving every minute or so, it's like, oh, I just did an hour of, of guitar playlisting. It's like, oh, I just, my computer crashed. Now I got to do it yeah. all again. Oh. You know, so there was, there was, you know, endless amounts of just me like doing things and then realizing I, okay, I did this completely wrong or I could do this better. So I'd go over it again. You know, I'd edit through one song and then be like, okay, but actually I could, I could do this or, and then yeah. I would go too far. Just, now this sounds too mechanical. This doesn't have any life left in it. Okay. I should go back and, and, and actually undo some of the stuff. I, and it was just, it was just a huge sandbox of me just figuring stuff out and, and watching videos. I, I have no, I couldn't, couldn't tell you how many hours I put in that record. Probably, oh probably, you know, well over a hundred. Like it was, it was insane, but it was totally worth it. Absolutely. What did you get graded on your performance with your EP? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I don't remember how I did on it. I didn't do badly. Uh, Cause I would remember that. Uh, I'm sure I got like a middle, middle of the road, like middle, pretty good grade on it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. What, so with Aberdeen, I didn't realize this guy, you actually had a connection with uh, Headley's bass player, Tommy Mack. Um, with that, mm -hmm. you guys went out and recorded some songs in the studio, correct? That's right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Was, was that an organic meet? How did you guys run into each other or how did you guys reach out to them or? Yeah. Um, well, my friend, Adam, Adam Dugas, he's a bass player. Uh, lives in, uh, Norfolk County. I want to say is the name of, uh, his town is called Boston, Ontario, which is kind of cool. Nice. Um, I might have my geography slightly wrong, but with the counties and all that, but, uh, you know, uh, uh, west, west of the, of the city. Um, <laughs> so we, he and I met in, I don't know, when I was in first year college, somewhere around that. Uh, our drummer at the time, a good friend of mine named John, um, was uh, taking a, a music program at Seneca called the Independent Music Program. He met Adam there. He said, we got to get this guy in the band. This guy's like mm -hmm. the most driven person I've ever seen in my life. Like he's just, he, he's, he's obsessed with... <laughs> he's obsessed with music like he just does this every day it's he never he, this guy never stops and i was like okay great let's let's meet him we met he you know him and i became very close friends um and i still to this day i don't i don't know that i've met somebody who quite has that the get up and go that that uh, that adam does and so he would always be on the lookout for new opportunities, new connections. How can I get a hold of this person or that person? Like, there's got to be a way mm -hmm. where I'm just going to make it happen. And which has been something that I've struggled with my entire life. I, I don't have that, whatever that spark is inside that says like, you got to network better. You got to go and, and make opportunities happen. I don't know mm -hmm. what it is about me, but I've, I've always struggled there. I've always, I, I want to be the guy that sort of <laughs> sits in my basement and like makes songs and, and just leave me alone, you know. <laughs> but, I hope you guys like. You know, me, so like, there was a really. You stay over there. I'll stay over here. <laughs> um, you know, but but Adam and I had a really good uh, sort of uh, dynamic whereby he would be pushing me to like, no, we gotta, you know, we gotta go out and hand out flyers in the freezing cold because there's gonna be a big lineup to the to the Faber Drive concert tonight down at uh, 
Nathan Phillips Square. I remember we stood outside all night and handed out flyers to people to be mm-hmm. like, hey, check out our band, check out our band. Check. I would never have done that in my life. But he was like, he would freeze his face off to go out and like get five more people to like us on Facebook. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, that absolutely. kind of stuff was is, is jam. And, and I was fully there for it. It's just that I wouldn't have come up with it myself. So I'm very thankful that, that we had that experience. I'm very happy that you had somebody to do that with as well. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so it was no surprise. It was Adam's idea to uh, reach out to Tommy. uh, who's the bass player for a band called Headley Mm -hmm. who uh, had some some pretty big hits back uh, probably 15 years ago. And um, they were kind of at the top of, the Canadian rock charts at the time. I don't know how he got wind that, that Tommy was looking for bands, but he figured it out somehow and messaged him and said, Hey, look, we got this band. Would you be interested in working with us? And, you know, we had done that to countless other people messaged them cold and said, Hey, we got a band. What do you think? And Tommy was the one person who said, Hey, yeah, I actually, these songs sound pretty good. Like let's, let's chat. Right. And we're like, okay, sweet. Great. So, yeah, so we ended up um, talking with him, passing some demos back and forth, and uh, he invited us to come out to uh, to Vancouver and make a record, uh, which he would, you know, uh, produce and try to sort of help us uh, get our feet under us and, and get started as a band. Um, and it was, a, it was a heck of an experience. I, I'll certainly never forget uh most of it <laughs> some of it uh you know the, the coronas have taken away from me but the, the beer i mean not the virus yeah um, yeah <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so we drank a lot of those out there um and and, and so i you know it was one of the it was a very very really really uh, intense experience uh we had an engineer named dean marr who was a, an extremely talented recording engineer and mixing engineer who was actually recording and mixing the whole project and Tommy would sort of be there as the as the uh the the eyes in the sky as it were just making sure that the the big picture was yeah. being taken care of and that he you know if he would stand behind the product otherwise we would you know re-record parts or he would play something in on guitar if he felt he needed to or or you know making sure the vocals were, were mm-hmm. tight the singing that the the amount of vocal takes I had to do was was a lot, you know? And so, and then furthermore, cause I had such a bug for pro tools and recording. I would try to like look over Dean's shoulder and like see what he was doing, you know, or like when he's dialing in, he, he got exceptionally good guitar tones. That was one of the things that really stood out. I mean, he's great at everything he did, but the guitar tones were like so, so, so good for what we were trying to do and just watching him sort of, try to dial them in and figure it out. And of mm-hmm. course there's no system. So you never really learn anything that you can <laughs> apply again and again. But, but I, I was just, you know, I picked up, I think a lot of little techniques and, and different sort of workflows from just trying to watch what, what they were doing. Um, so I, I felt that that was a big, big learning experience. Um, it was extraordinarily expensive also. So, you know, yeah. I will caution people yeah. that, uh, if a big producer wants to work with you, it, it ain't going to be free. So we, we borrowed chat, a lot can, of money can to we make chat that happen. A little bit about that, because I really want people to sure, actually yeah. like one hundred percent understand like the cost that goes into this kind of stuff. So 
I don't know if you want to give the exact amount or whatever, but can you give like a ballpark figure of how much it would have cost for six songs to be done with Headley's Tommy Mac at that time? It's in the it's it's in the tens of thousands. It's not less than twenty grand. And how old are you? <laughs> I'll at this say time? that. Uh, I was uh, twenty one, maybe twenty two at the time. Okay. Yeah. Now, when when you so, when you get this contact with them, were you guys? Did you guys already have money saved away? Were you guys contemplating no, like grant writing? We did do some grant stuff. Didn't get approved for it, um, but you know that's okay. That's okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're we're in college. It's like I've got a student line of credit. I'll just dip into that. You know, fair enough. Fair enough. I didn't think about that that's one. A lifetime actually. opportunity. Like, yeah. Fair well, enough. it's it's not the most responsible thing to do if you're thinking about money, but. Uh, we were not thinking about money. We were thinking about the, the making a great record and, yeah. and, and the opportunity, right? So that's what you do. And I'm sure a lot of artists can relate to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't wholeheartedly recommend uh, dipping into credit uh, no. that deeply to make a record. Uh, I would probably caution people against doing that. Uh, but I, you know, people are going to do what they're going to do because you see an opportunity in front of you and you feel like you don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. So um, but you know, the record turned out amazing. It sounds really good even now. Uh, and yeah, like, it, it still competes you know, with today's music. The, that's, that's amazing. That yeah. You can the literally songs aren't, the songs are not what I'm, what I'm like dated. trying to do now, but at the time they were. And like, so, you know, they, they delivered, I'm not trying to say they didn't deliver, but it's like, it's, it's a lot of money, man. Yeah. So you gotta, you did gotta you really a, did you get any promotional stuff with that as well or not really um we did get a meeting at warner which didn't go anywhere um and uh you know how, we sort of had we had 20 year old sitting in a room with warner or were you even in a room was it over the phone or Oh yeah, we were in a yeah we were in a room. I'm sure we were. I'm, I'm not going to speak for everybody else. But I'm sure I was. I was a. I was an idiot in there. Like I, not that I was like would have been rude or anything. But it's just you know when you're like it's like you're a kid in a candy store, right? right? You're just so excited to even be in the room and people in there probably seen ten other bands like us in the same day. They don't you know they're not. <laughs> it's, it's lost. It's not you know it's lost on them the, 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 how cool this is for us. Um, and um i mean we didn't we didn't know what we were doing at the time so i imagine that's why we didn't get signed or maybe it was you know it, you never know how close things are mm. you you just never know it could have been like well you know i, I heard the phrase a lot from labels and managing people they're like man if this was five or ten years ago you guys would be signed it's just too late for this type of music it's not they're happening to, right yeah, now they're it's feeling like, like it's phasing out what are you going to do? Right? Like, yeah, there's, yeah. you know, yeah, you make the music you want to make. You can't chase the next trend. I mean, you can try, but I don't think it works. So no, no. Um, you I, never I know. Like if you're chasing, if you're chasing trends by the time you get there, it's already a new trend anyways. Right. So yeah, I don't think it really works, but yeah. yeah so, so, you know, that, that sort of, as far as it got, you know, we, we ended up with a great record. Um, and that was sort of the most that, uh, Tommy could give to us at that time. I mean, he was also like doing national tours mm-hmm. with Headley. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like he was around to manage a band. So it was, you know, 
it, that was sort of as much as he could do for us. And like I said, the record sounds killer and it was an amazing learning experience. Unfortunately, it didn't lead to a record, uh, a record deal and, and all the stuff that we dreamed that it would, but, uh, that was something that we also knew was a possibility going in. So, now, um, so coming, that's how it worked out. Coming out of that, do you feel a lot more confident going into the studio now, having worked with some of the top at the time people in the game? Do you feel like you've got a little bit more like pep in your step being able to walk into a studio or dude, I still get chills. Like I was in revolution recording studios the other day doing a, doing a COVID friendly, uh, video shoot mm -hmm. uh with an artist named carly june and just like I, I can't i can't believe i'm in here i was talking to an engineer you know a, a month ago i was like man like every time i come and i was talking to them about metalwork studios which is another great studio here so it's like every time i come into the into that studio i'm just like i, I can't believe i'm even in there like it's <laughs> so cool and and you know this that engineer who's in there all the time was just like dude me too this never gets old you know really yeah, that's, like, that's awesome. so cool that's yeah. amazing. Um, so, so I, I definitely haven't lost that sense of just like giddiness to be in the studio. Uh, it's it's such a to be in a real great studio like that is is such a such a privilege. So, uh, in terms of confidence, I mean, it depends on <laughs> depends on what I'm doing. Uh, I and I hopefully I'm you know at this point qualified to be playing the music I'm playing. I mean, if you get me in there to to make a bluegrass record i'm gonna be pretty darn nervous as a guitar player because i'm not a bluegrass player yeah, right like but if i'm producing a pop country track and i and i need to play acoustic guitar on it or sing backup vocals or mix it or like i you know i'm gonna have a certain amount of confidence because i've have a, a, a many years experience doing that now but i'm also gonna have a certain amount of nervousness because i want the pro the the end result i don't want to call it a product but the end result to I want the artists to be excited about it. Yeah. I want them to be blown away by what we've accomplished as a team with them. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I'm, I'm nervous to send mixes off because it's like, what if they don't like it? What if I, what if I, what if I'm not hearing right today and I just did a bunch of stuff I'm going to regret? And like, you know, I definitely have that that nervousness, you know, uh, combined with like, I think this sounds great. I'm really proud of the work we did. So here it goes. You know, so it's a weird, it's a weird kind of uh, dichotomy all at the same time. But, but that's sort of, that's sort of the, how I would describe the feeling. Yeah. And and in terms of being like an artist that has used backing bands in the process as well, to hear your music for the first time, like for me, whenever I play a guitar, I have my six strings sitting beside me, and I'll write the song, and I always have an acoustic. In my head, I have the idea what the live stuff has, but I don't have the concept of being able to play the drums or the bass or have the electric. I can't shred like the likes of Keith Urban or anybody like that. So when you actually get up on stage or when you're actually practicing with them and the song comes to life, like it is a 100% like lifetime moment when you actually hear the whole thing come together. So I can actually, I, I can actually now further admire the work that goes into the group that's behind me based on what you were just telling me right there. Mm. Well, so. I appreciate that. I, I think it, I think it's like you said, man, I think it's magic when it all comes together mm -hmm. and it's, I'm very fortunate to be one piece of the, of the puzzle there, just getting to, getting to do my thing and have it, you know, contribute to this great, uh, you know, yeah, final result. So, 
um, I love it. Absolutely. So uh, we're still on Aberdeen here. We got to get this show moving, but quickly uh, in Aberdeen, you also had what I would assume would be a lifetime experience for you guys. You guys were in the movie Camp Rock 2 at Disney. That had the Jonas Brothers and Demi Lovato as the stars of the movie. Um, I remember watching it as a kid. How in the heck did that transpire that you guys were on a Disney movie? Well, yeah. I mean, again, it was it was Adam who made that happen. Uh, he was doing some background acting work at the time to uh, pay rent, and well, I mean, not just to pay rent. He had an interest in in you know uh, the on screen part of mm-hmm. of show business as well, and he was doing some of that that kind of stuff. And there was a casting call for a band for a movie. They didn't say which one. Obviously, they never do. And he uh, submitted a photo of us. We were. I think driving through, I don't know where, Northern Ontario, he, uh, he sent a photo. That's all we could do. We were on the road. We couldn't do anything. So, uh, and they, they, they liked us. So they took us. And so wow. we got sheet music um, and wouldn't say what, what the music, uh, music um, movies, pardon me. Wouldn't say what the movie was, but they sent us the sheet music. So I'm learning this guitar part off the sheet music and it's called, it's a brand new day. And I was like, okay, cool. And whatever. And then, I remember him at some point being like, dude, this is a Disney movie. This is going to be huge. This is so sick. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay, wow, cool. So yeah, we filmed, uh, we, were, we were what you call special skills extra, which means you don't have lines. If you have mm-hmm. lines in a movie, you're like, that's really good. You're making a lot of money. Um, I think anyways. And uh, if you're an extra, it means you don't have lines. Uh, so you're kind of in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but because we played instruments, that counts as a special skill. Uh, so you get uh, you get triple scale, I think it was at the time, which was a lot of money for us at the time. That's anyways, it was, it was like, wow, I had, like, had a couple grand in my bank account by the whole <laughs> time. The, the time the whole thing was over, I was like, this is dope. We just do this all the time. And uh, it was the only time we ever ended up doing a movie. We, we, we shot, uh, I don't know, it was like a week in in Guelph, I think it was. And then a, and then a few days, uh, it might have been at Earl Bales Park in Toronto. Um Met the met the Jonas Brothers, met Demi Lovato very briefly. Didn't really chat with them or anything or become friends. Um, we did sort of chat with a couple of the other ca- cast members. Um, and now I'm blanking on uh, on the name. It was Jordan, and I can't remember his last name, but uh, he was a really nice guy. Uh, and we we actually ended up playing a show with him. He did a he did a show as a as a as a music artist, and we got to open for him. I wish I could remember his last name. Jordan Francis. Okay, Jordan yeah, Francis. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So yeah, anyway, yeah. great, great guy. Um, but we ended up opening for him. So that that's sort of how it went down for us. Um, and it was yeah, it was a really fun experience. It was definitely a unique experience. It didn't have too much uh, effect on the trajectory of my career, I don't think. Other than like it's a cool little talking point, and I put mm-hmm. it in my teaching bio at Long so that students want to take lessons with me Pr- promoting <laughs> you guys that, that was my big selling point i was like man these guys have been in camp <laughs> too. Like, you got you got to come see these boys yeah yeah so it was a nice little little uh bio addition let's say yeah that, that's weird um did you guys did you learn anything musically from that experience that you kind of took away from it or was it kind of like just in such an awe moment that it was kind of over and done with in a blink of an eye. Uh, it's hard to 
hard to pinpoint anything in particular because we weren't really playing. It was all mimed, right? So oh, yeah, I guess more so, than yeah. any yeah, like more than anything, you just had to look good and mm. like your hands had to be in the right spot on the guitar that it was like reasonably I mean, they never cared. Like the director or like there was nobody watching me being like, hey, like you weren't playing a D chord there and I was a D. Like you know what I mean? Like it's, it doesn't matter. So I did my best. I am pretty sure I was on for, for most of it, but I, you know, musically, no, I I don't think we really learned anything. Um, I'm sure we picked up some stuff just in terms of how to interact with people and how to try to be as professional as possible and trying to just like, you know, soak in the experience and, and it is at the end of the day, it is work. So you want to do a good job. Right. So just, Mm -hmm. just, Keeping your head on your shoulders and making sure that you're doing that and not getting in anybody's way and not making it about you because it's not it's you're you're a part of this thing and it's about making the thing as good as it can be so you know i i, I didn't have a i wasn't sitting there with an agenda to like you know you know impress this person or that person or get joe jonas's phone number or like you know what <laughs> i mean you, that's not what yeah, yeah. about like you're that people will remember you as the guy who was being weird if you're doing stuff like that i think and as opposed to like just show up and do a good job mm-hmm. if there's an opportunity to say hi to somebody or to help somebody with something and you offer to do that that's great but you know just sort of stay in your lane at least that's been my approach but, that that makes a lot of sense yeah. actually uh, so in in your uh group the agenda now now i don't call you guys a musical group i literally call you guys the full music business you are a backing band, you guys record, you name it, you guys seem to provide it, which is absolutely incredible and an, an awesome business model. Um, but uh, and some of the artists that you've worked with, like Beverly Mahood and Genevieve Fisher and David James, which uh, that's where we reconnected through is when you guys were coming through Thunder Bay, you were on the David James show that I got to open for, which is a very another small world instance. But uh, when you guys are going into booking these gigs, is what goes in behind the scenes on this so if you are booked on a backing band do you guys get like your sheet music and then you have okay you need to have this done by this amount of time is there timelines and then like what's going on in the touring world when you're actually on the road as well uh so for a live situation it's usually the artist will send out recordings of the songs uh very rarely are there any charts or sheet music um so it'll just be recordings of the songs or maybe a recording of a live show if they did a tour recently and okay you can use that to figure out what you know the person in your seat was doing the last time um and you know it's just sitting at home figuring the songs out and maybe charting them out for ourselves individually uh and then you get together for hopefully a slew of rehearsals before you go on the road but sometimes it's just one with with david we just had i think we had one rehearsal before we left for the first leg and that's all there was time for that's that's all we could put together so mm-hmm. yeah um, he, he was a late addition to the yeah, tour correct i don't know uh but you could very well be right um i think i think originally he may have been meant to share uh aaron Prochet's band uh, and just come out for some some featured tunes, and mm. it got changed. Uh, his label got it so that he would have his own band and have a have a half hour slot opening. So, yeah. So yeah. we we only had time to do one rehearsal, and that's just the reality of a lot of the live world, especially if it's a one off gig. 
mm-hmm. oftentimes artists do not have the budget or the time frame to rehearse for a week before doing a single show, much less a, a, a tour, right? So you need to show up to the first rehearsal as though it's, you know, the 50th show on the tour and like you've got everything down. Yeah. And there's, there's no time to be messing around right now. No. And and, you know, the, the, honestly, the, the best feeling is when you play through the song for the first time, the artist and they're like, great, let's, uh, let's go to the next Next song. It's like, next song. Cool. You know? Uh, and anything less than that, honestly, to me, I mean, and this is being a little bit hyperbolic, but like, to me, it feels like I I didn't do my job well enough. Like I should have, I should have, you know, unless they're like, oh, you did, I didn't send you the right recording. It's actually, it does this in the bridge or we extend this section live and here, oh, okay, I'll show yeah, you what yeah. we do. It's like, oh, okay, well, there's no way I could have known that. Yeah. But like, you know, if they have any real criti- criticisms of my playing or my singing on their their track, if I had a good recording of it, uh, that was on me to to do it right the first time. So that's basically the approach um, that, that we take to that. We want, and, and I guess I should mention too, there's a, whole pile of shows we've done for people where there's been no rehearsal you know run a couple songs in sound check and it's like all right seems seems good enough and i'm not saying everything goes 100 percent perfectly every mm-hmm. time that's just not possible but you know you need to be able to you need to be able to pull off a a, a full a, you know an entire set of music without really having any major uh you know train wreck moments and really that all just comes from preparation at home and the fact that the four of us work together so frequently yeah uh helps right because when you're just used to the way other people play you can feed off of that a bit more Mm -hmm. easily there's you know we know how to communicate with each other on the fly we know who to look at when certain sections going on it's hard to really pinpoint it but when you work with people all the time you just sort of have this you become this organism that just kind of knows what to do yeah Uh, that makes sense and, and and to do that but it's a lot of just preparation at home yeah and then like it do you guys have like contracts that you guys sign for these or uh it depends on the it always depends on the gigs okay um i just i did have to sign something for david's tour um since it was you know uh a multi-show thing like i had to sort of say like i'm i'm gonna i'm not gonna bail on you one week into the tour yeah you know like that would totally screw him over right so i I have to sign not that i ever would but i can understand why you know his label would want me to sign a contract saying that i'm gonna do all the shows Mm -hmm. and vice versa you know that contract says that that I'm going to do all the shows for me, which is good because like I need the work, right? Yeah, that's, that's so job not gonna, stability not, for you right there. Yeah, so they're not going to kick me out halfway through. I'm not going to bail halfway through. That's that's a reasonable agreement. So mm. sometimes there's stuff like that. Mm. Oftentimes it's just, hey, you free this night? Pay is this much? You in? Yeah, great. See you there. Like that's it's usually just that. Uh, and and you know like there'll be an in, usually will there'll be an invoice like I'll send an invoice for whatever job I do because that makes it official it helps mm-hmm. for like tax purposes but I'm not you know I don't have a lawyer that reads over a contract every time I I have to I, I do work it's it's mostly just just matter of fact just just handshake deals yeah yeah what, what would be your biggest show that you would say in your head that stands out the most being on stage behind somebody or maybe even in front of being in front of the stage what would be your number one concert Um, that you'll always remember 
Well, I'll give you two. The number okay. one Aberdeen show that we ever did was we played uh, at Warp Tour in Toronto in 2010. And that was, uh, again, another Adam thing, I'm sure. We got picked up to to play on uh, this thing called the Kevin Says Stage, which is, yeah. I think, they, they just sort of hand, handpicked some artists that they that didn't make the make the other stages or whatever that applied. And they were like, yeah, we, we think this – they didn't they didn't fit this stage but we think they're pretty cool so we're gonna put them on this stage mm-hmm. so we got to uh got to play that which was unbelievable um it went by so fast it was like we had like half an hour there was a clock literally like a big digital clock on the side of the stage ticking down it's like if you go over this someone's gonna come with a with a like a you know well, a jousting just, yeah. sword and just knock yeah, you yeah. off the stage yeah um so that was pretty cool uh and then in terms of being a guitarist one standout one for me was one of the early shows we did with Beverly Mahood, actually. We we were in Edmonton at Rexall Place when that was still a thing, and we opened for Tim McGraw. We were direct support for Tim McGraw, which was pretty unbelievable to be in an arena. I mean, I'm from Toronto, so the ACC, or yeah. the Scotiabank Arena is now known, the big hockey arena here where all the big concerts happen. You know, you, you go to concerts and you think, what would it be like to be on the stage? You know, mm-hmm. Rexall is probably about the same size. I don't know exactly or was. Um, and sort of be on that stage and hear, you know, you play your guitar and you hear it bounce off the far wall and come back to you like two seconds later. And you're like, wow, yeah, this is, <laughs> this is really something. And then, you know, getting to watch Tim's band from side stage, although they were all direct, they had no amps or anything. So you couldn't really hear a whole lot from side stage, but just watching and getting to see it up close and, and just getting to perform to an audience of that size was really, really, uh, unforgettable. So those did, are the did two. you use that as a learning moment too? Like, were you picking at the guitarists and whatnot, trying to like pick their brains if you could? Uh, I mean, you couldn't see. That thing is, is you just, or I'm sorry. Well, you couldn't see, or even being side stage, you couldn't really see. And you couldn't hear. I mean, the one thing I took away from that was that, okay, this is one of the biggest bands in country and they're not using amps. There's something that that means that this is okay to do. (laughs) This is probably going to be the, this is probably going to be the future of, you know, guitar playing in a live setting. So Mm -hmm. something I filed away and, and, you know, and nowadays I I don't use amps at all for anything ever (laughs) much to the chagrin of Will and other guitarists around me. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so yeah. So oops, yep. here we go. So the Music Guy podcast that you guys came out with, you guys are what on your sixty-eighth episode now? Yeah, Somewhere. yeah, I guess we are. I I it's it's uh, we're in a bit of a, a weird transitional period here. Uh not that anything's changing, but just that uh Mike uh, he flew to do a cruise ship gig, so he's actually in Europe right now. Oh wow. Uh waiting to embark on this cruise as a musician, which is amazing. Because, you know, you can quarantine once you're on the ship, you're on the ship, and he can actually work playing music for like four months straight, That's which solid. is unbelievable in the, in the times that we're currently living in. So it's amazing for him. Uh, the problem is, is that he's in Europe and we're on two different time zones and he's been prepping for this and flying away for it. So mm-hmm. uh, we are going to be recording another episode uh, this weekend, but we've, we've kind of been, I think it's been a couple of weeks since we've made one, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, that, that's uh, we started it as roommates. He and I moved in together, mm-hmm. um, just as as roommates in Markham. I guess it would have been a couple of years ago now. And uh, I had just been really thinking about making a podcast. Obviously, I talk way too much, so I was like, maybe this is 
something I could do. I listened to a lot of them. I thought, you know, there's not like, we got a lot of cool friends. We, we've had some cool experiences. I got a lot of opinions on things that mm -hmm. people probably don't care about, but I'm going to say them anyways. It's like, this would be cool. Like, and I, and I knew that I needed uh, somebody to do it with who also was super fired up about it and who would, you know, keep me to a schedule and, and, and that we could push each other and, and grow together as, as, uh, as broadcasters. So uh, I asked Mike and it seemed like a, you know, a good idea at the time. We both lived together and, and so we'd always be around to do it. And uh, yeah, so now we've been doing it for a couple of years and uh, maybe not quite two years, but it's been hey, fun. It's been really great. Every, every time we record an episode. Yeah. Every time we record an episode, it's just, I'm, I'm all smiles after it. Just, it's, it's so fun to do. So for people that don't know, uh, podcast, the podcast is called Music Guy Podcast. Musicguypodcast.com is where you can find all the episodes and everything you'd want to know about it. Um, and it's just a podcast. <laughs> what I say is it's a podcast about a couple guys making a living at music. So I, I, it serves to sort of highlight the, uh, the middle, the murky middle of the music industry. I think a lot, a lot of people think you're either famous or you're, or you're broke. And it's yeah. like, no, like some of us are... Some of us are making a living at this and, and we really love our jobs and what we get to do and we find it really interesting and, and we would like to share that with people and also um, bring guests on who can share with, with our listeners and with us how to uh, do this better and, <laughs> and, and have you know, a, a more engaging, uh, successful career a, a, in the music industry. So it's, it's based around that and uh, it's a whole lot of fun. So if, if anybody's interested in yet another podcast to uh to to listen to in addition to to tim's here uh <laughs> and, and i uh, implore you, know, you all right now to go follow this podcast because you do learn a <laughs> boatload if you are an artist you will learn a crap load that will actually help you in your own career if you actually imply what they actually teach you guys with so like the very first ones that you guys went into, you guys went into the concept of like your own studio stuff. You guys have your live Q and A's. You will sit down and you will critique and do YouTube videos showing people how to use pro tools and all that kind of stuff, which again, looking at it for me, it's all written in Sanskrit. So the concept that you guys can pull that kind of stuff off and engage your guys in a way more in depth than I think I ever possibly could. So I thank yeah. you for putting that on thank for me because, again, like I've told you before, you are actually an unknown mentor of mine because Music Guys Podcast is now my radio station. <laughs> well, thanks. I appreciate it, Tim. <laughs> it's, it, it's no yeah. longer Weird Al and it's no longer Howard Stern. It's now Music Guys. <laughs> but, okay, so, nice. so we have the agenda and we had – Aberdeen and we have music guys podcast but my man you were also a solo artist on top of that and you released a new single in Friday called I'm not lost can you talk a little bit about the story behind it and the process that you had with songwriting on that song yeah yeah so the song's out on Spotify I'm not lost um wrote it a couple of years ago now at this point I mean all you artists out there know that it takes you know you write the song and then three years later it finally comes out because it yeah. takes forever to <laughs> To record stuff and 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 all the rest of it but uh, yeah I, I sat down with um my friend tom hanley who was a producer on my my ep which so tom hanley and i sat down we were aiming to write songs for this particular record uh, i had 
a guitar riff idea and i think i had the melody uh the the main sort of backup backup vocal melody actually in the chorus oh i had this kind of idea and there was a there was a guitar that went along with it and yeah we just kind of built it honestly from the ground up from there all the i've never been a good lyric guy so tom really helped me with the lyrics um and we we figured it out it was just kind of the two of us chipping away and and it came together i think within um within a few hours you know what you thought you had uh turns into something you didn't even realize <laughs> you know it was gonna be and it's even better than you thought uh when you get you know when you when when the, the agenda guys when they get their hands on these the, this music it's like it's like anything that didn't make sense before now it does you know and 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 stuff that i i mean as an artist obviously i've got certain ideas in my head of how things are going to go so mm -hmm. i i have to let go of that sometimes and 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 let them do their thing because at the end of the day it's that that's what makes it really special is that collaboration between the four of us and and tom as a producer um and and so yeah that that's how it came together we recorded it at uh a studio i think it's called Judge, judson studios or it might have a different name now but uh, it's, it's, uh, it's on judson street in etobicoke uh and it's run by and engineered by uh nick boyd who plays in the played in the band Colorado for those of you oh, who yeah, know yeah. Canadian uh, Indian music they were quite quite a successful band mm -hmm. and so I got to know Nick through that whole process he's an amazing engineer really really great guy and we did uh, a handful of songs there and I'm Not Lost was one of them and uh, we did it you know on a on a respectable budget and with some really great musicians I mixed it myself uh, Ruben um, uh, Ruben Ghosh from mojito mastering did the mastering on the whole record and i think it turned out great and yeah it's out right now so you guys can go check it out if you want absolutely yeah. and please please do it is an amazing track al has covid so so you obviously had your uh your music going you had the agenda going you had backing tracks and then covid hit obviously that slowed you down how have you been able to adapt now from covid to kind of keep it up i i would consider you a professional musician you make money through music and that helps you pay your bills so how have you been able to kind of adapt your professional music career with everything going on you've been doing things on twitch that i've noticed with music mondays and thirsty thursdays is there anything else that we're also missing that you could maybe um maybe give some advice to a couple of musicians who have kind of hit that wall and don't really know where else to turn. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, I mean, I'll start by saying that the CERB, which is the, the government support that, that we got um, as soon as the pandemic shut everything down was a complete lifesaver for me. And I'm sure it was for a lot of other people mm -hmm. uh, without that, I would not still be financially uh, sound as I am now. And so I'm very, very grateful to live in Canada and to have been, uh, you know, able to benefit from that, um, that, I don't know if you call it generosity, but I know like, you know, other, other places have not fared as well as we have. Mm -hmm. So our government felt like they had our backs for that. And I, I want to always want to say that, that I'm very thankful for that. And I don't want to take credit <laughs> for just like, yeah, I just pulled up my bootstraps and figured it out. It's like, no, like I had a lot of help, especially yeah. early on when it was like, cool, I can't work at all. 
uh, except the landlord still wants their money. So what am I going to do? You know, mm -hmm. it's like, no, it's okay. There's this benefit in place. Uh, I always also, uh, I got some help from the Unison Fund, Unison Benevolent Fund, I believe is the proper name for it. Uh, and that's a fund that helps uh, people in the arts world. And they were gracious enough to, to help me. Uh, so big thanks to them. Uh, I applied for a couple of other grants and loans that I did not end up getting, which is totally okay because lots of other people did. And uh, and so so that was a huge part of it. And that gave me the cushion, the opportunity to take a look at my career and think about how I could, um, how I could make this work. And mm -hmm. I looked at the pandemic as like a multi-year thing almost right from the from the get-go um once it was announced that everything was locked down i was like this is really bad this is i i was one of the people who didn't think it was going to be that bad right off the, the get-go i was like whatever this is just going to be like the flu like just wash your hands it'll be fine you know and like don't get too worked up about it and when it really hit and my fiance katie's a nurse and she works at st st mike's hospital and and she's been just you know busting it Mm -hmm. this whole time mm -hmm. and now more than ever that without getting too sidetracked here like it's it, everybody was all you know thank you frontline workers at the beginning of the pandemic which is amazing but it is worse now than it's ever been in terms of the virus uh harming people and the what the the nurses are going through right now so i just want to big shout out give a big shout out to the nurses yes yes, yes um that are going through this. so you know once I saw um, how bad this really was, I was like, this is not going away anytime soon. Um, you know, vaccines in development, that's amazing. It's being administered now, that's amazing. I still mm -hmm. don't think we're going to be out of this for another year or so just because of how complicated everything is. Um, so it was like, okay, well, what am I going to do? Like, I'm not just going to sit here and like, you know, play PS4 all day. <laughs> you know, it, gets old after, it gets old after like a couple days. Yeah, uh, first so week got, is all right, gotta, but now we got to get off the couch. Yeah, yeah so I got to do something. I mean, fortunately, I already had the podcast, so I was like, okay, well, we can lean into this. Mm -hmm. um, and then I, I, uh, I started looking into moving my students online, and I was able to do that uh, pretty much in full. Um, so I, I have a pretty good roster of online students. If anybody out there is interested in lessons with me, I'll do a quick little plug on that. Never. I teach production, vocal coaching, guitar, uh, piano, like just whatever career consulting, if you want that too. Um, and you can reach out to me on social media or, uh, my emails, alromusic at gmail.com. If you want to uh, chat about that, I just do stuff over, uh, zoom, Skype, what have you. Um, and, uh, it's been working out really well, actually. So doing that, I think a lot of musicians have gone that direction. That's not unique. Um, but it is something that's again, been a big part of, of me staying afloat. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, another, another thing was Twitch. It was, uh, it was something I'd experimented with a little bit before the pandemic. And I decided like, I really enjoyed it. Uh, Twi Twitch is a, a website where you can, you know, live stream, uh, anything from video games to, cooking to music to what have you um and so i just started busting my guitar out turning twitch on and and playing songs to whoever was listening and uh it's been growing at a very very slow rate it's really hard to break through in social media as i'm sure most people know mm -hmm. uh and twitch is is a very very popular site and there's a ton of people on it so i don't have 
you know, high expectations to become a, an internet celebrity anytime soon, but it's been growing slowly. I've, I've had some really great support for, from some really great viewers. I've met some new people who are interested in my music. Um, I've met some new people whose music I'm interested in. So there's a really cool community going on over there in the, in terms of the music scene. And if you would like to support artists, it's one of the best ways, because if you make a donation through that, it goes straight to them. You know, there's a, I'm sure there's a commission that's taken off obviously, but, um, you know, it, it is a really big way to mm-hmm. support artists directly and engage with artists directly. I think it's a really great platform and it's been really good for me to, you, like you said, I'm doing Music Mondays. Uh, that's at noon Eastern time. Uh, the site is twitch.tv slash music. And uh, Thursday nights, I do Thursday Thursdays. It's not, I just call it that. It's there. It's all the same thing. I just play music. Um, and, um, and, you know, you can pop on by and, and check that out. And it's been really good for me to, to, to do a couple of gigs a week, you know, quote unquote. Uh, it's been really good for my singing voice. It's been really good for my guitar playing to just keep myself in shape uh, more than anything. But yeah, it's been fun and it's been, I've been able to reach out to some new people. So uh, if anybody's interested in stopping by uh, the stream and, and giving me a follow and, and saying something in the chat, that, that it's always much appreciated and uh, makes me feel real good. So um, so that, that's one thing I've been doing the podcast, another. Um, and, and then, you know, probably the biggest thing that I'm so fortunate to have, again, is the agenda. It's been a great downtime for artists who have been wanting to make a record but didn't have time because they were on mm-hmm. the road or were working or what have you to sit there and be like, well, now I can, now I have the time, like, let's do this. And uh, they've been reaching out to us, which we're very grateful for. Um, so, you know, we've been, we, during the pandemic, we were sort of, we're still in, but early in the pandemic, we, we were sort of offering some, some discounts to, to certain people just because we knew it was tough yeah. to make ends meet right now. We're pretty much back to our, what our normal rate would be, which I still feel is very competitive uh, for what we're offering. We're, we're four guys. Like you don't have to hire any musicians if you don't want to, because we're going to cover the, the whole band unless you mm-hmm. want, you know, fiddle or, or, you know, pedal steel or something very specific. Like you're not going to need to hire anybody else. You don't need to hire a mixing engineer. You don't need to hire um you know an external producer it's all in one place um so uh you know i I think our rates are quite competitive and we want to keep them that way because we want to work as much as we possibly can we don't want to sit here and uh, with our you know (laughs) know, our thumbs up our noses being like well we're not gonna we're not gonna (laughs) good analogy good analogy We'll figure it out like we want to work as much as possible we want to make great music with people so if anybody's interested and um making some music with us we would love to chat again you can reach out to me at the same uh, same email address our music uh, at gmail.com and and that's we've done records with uh, graham scott fleming alessia cole uh dylan wallace over the pandemic i'm sure there's more we did a we did a christmas record with beverly mahood uh late last year so yes, there's been there's been a, some good work um happening there that's also helped me a lot so um th- those are sort of the main ways and uh as much as i can't wait to play live again it's like i'm not counting on it happening anytime soon so i'm trying to find more ways the last thing i'll share uh is a website called soundbetter.com i think mm-hmm. soundbetter.com uh, if if anybody out there if you're uh if you're a, an instrumentalist or a vocalist or an engineer um 
and you know how to record yourself playing as an instrumentalist, like if you can record yourself well, or vocalist, if you can record yourself well, or as an engineer, like if you know how to, you know, mix a song on Pro Tools or what have you, um, you can sign up for this website. I'm not affiliated with it in any way other than I'm a member and I've gotten some some decent work on there. <laughs> so that's another good way. You know, there's people out there that are making tracks um, and they need a guitarist to yeah. to play the solo on their tune and they, they'll hire you to do that. Um, for me, I'm getting most of my work is is mixing songs for people and I love doing that. So I've been very happy to and grateful to get that work. So I think if you put yourself out there and and try to get onto some of these channels that aren't just the old school playing in a bar, mm -hmm. you know, hopes and dreams, getting signed, going on tour. I mean, that, that, that stuff isn't really happening right now. I'm not saying it never will, but it's like, we can't wait forever for that. You got to look no, for no. other ways to, to make it happen. So that, that's what, that's, what's been working for me. Right on. Well, I, Obviously, it seems to be working very, very well for you, Al. Every single day, again, one of the other guys that I always see, you always have something going on in your life, whether it be your own music or the podcast or the agenda. Everything always seems to be going well for you, sir. Unfortunately, we've run out of time today. Every single chance I get to talk with you, we're always running over the limit. So I'll have to have you back on this <laughs> podcast as soon as possible. Uh, last thing that I need for a piece of advice if you were to sit down in front of 10 year old Al Rowe right now, what piece of advice would you give him? Uh, ooh, 10 year old. Yeah. Like um, this is the kid that's <laughs> getting ready to figure out what he wants to do with the rest of his life. Um, wow. I mean, if, if, if we're talking career advice, I would say always say yes. Um, if it's something that, relates to your career or even if it doesn't really if you get an opportunity to do something I, I i always say you know you should take it especially early in your career um and even if you don't feel qualified because if somebody's asking you to do it it's because they think you can and therefore you somebody out there thinks uh, or yourself in fire and you, you'll figure it out so that's the way that i've sort of done it i've, I've just tried not to say no as much as possible sometimes things come up and you have to but but um that that would be like the the overarching piece of advice i guess you know to 10 year old alvaro i mean it's just like um enjoy enjoy the every day man i mean that sounds so lame but like enjoy every day um try not to i think i do this better now that i'm a little bit older than i did when i was in my 20s but you know try not to compare yourself to other people, try not to compare yourself to some timeline that you think you're supposed to be following or some trajectory that you're supposed to be following. Nobody knows. We don't know what's going to happen to us tomorrow. Like we think we do. And usually, you know, a lot of the times we're right, but like a lot of times we're wrong too. Like I wouldn't have pictured that I was going to be in this spot. I didn't manifest this. I didn't write this in my diary. You know what yeah. I mean? I, like I just yeah. kept saying yes to stuff. And, like, and if it was, if it's things that I enjoy, I'm going to keep doing them. If I don't enjoy it, I'm not going to do it anymore. It's kind of like, it, it sounds so simple and, and maybe a little bit like, I don't know. Well, I, I don't know what the word is, but you know what I mean? It's like, it just, if it, it, it feels good, do it right. <laughs> like to an extent, but, uh, and then, I mean, the only other thing I'll say, um, to anybody who's going to make a big investment in something like post-secondary school, or if you're going to become an artist, uh, I think it's very, very important that you are in charge of 
your finances, like you're, you're in control, like you're not going into 40 K debt to go to school. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not, you're saying, Oh, whatever, I'll figure it out later, or I'm going to make it big and then I'll make it all back. Or like, it, it, it I would say never, do, never do that. <laughs> if I had a dime uh, for every time I said that. Yeah. Like get, you know, like get a part-time job while you're going to school to ease the amount of debt you're getting into. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, get a part-time teaching job. If you're playing gigs at night, like what are you doing during the day? Like do something to try to try to offset that because um, this is a tough career and it's really difficult financially because there's not a lot of stability. So mm-hmm. you need to be even more on top of that than, than somebody who's got a, a steady job, you know, just and by on top of it, I just mean like, have a couple thousand bucks saved up so that if you don't get a gig for a couple of weeks, you're okay. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Like with a budget trying to get ahead of stuff. To the, to the profession. Yeah. Yeah. No, so that, that makes th- those would be the, main, uh, the, I guess those would be the main things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much, Al, for coming on again. I've, I, this is another podcast I'll have to listen to again and again, because there is so much knowledge in such a little bit of time that I need to soak up. And again, I didn't even get to some of the conversation that we were going to discuss. Like, so <laughs> I'll have to have you back on this show eventually. Uh, for people who are listening that are new fans of Al Rowe Music, where can they find you on the socials, my man? Yeah, it's uh, like I said, my direct direct contact. If you want to reach out, say hey, ask a question, um, anything like that, is alrowmusic at gmail dot com. Uh, my Instagram is at alrowmusic, and it's the same handle for everywhere else: Facebook, Twitch, Twitter. Um, and yeah, I would really encourage people to stop by the stream on Twitch if you if you feel like you want to chat or uh, just hear some tunes. Uh, it's a pretty cool place. And uh, and I guess the official website is alrowmusic.com if you want to uh, check that out as well. But thanks, Tim, for having me, man. I had a great time. I really, obviously, I really enjoy talking. So here, here we are with me doing that. Um, man, I, and I congrats on watching the, uh, the show on your end. Thank you, thank you very much. Yeah, man. Like I said, I'm a I'm a funnel of knowledge and. From day one that we first met, I knew that this was going to be one of those people that I would really want to talk to because ever since we started talking, I figured like you and your group knew the ins and outs better than anybody that I had talked to at that moment. So thank you so much, Al, for coming on to the show, and I will talk to you soon. Thanks, Tim. All the best. Talk to you soon. So there you have it, everyone, my amazing interview with Mr. Al Rowe. What an incredible interview. Thanks, Al, for coming on to the podcast again. You can check out his podcast, The Music Guy Podcast, on all major streaming platforms, as well as check out alrowmusic.com. Rowe spelled R-O-W-E. Next week on the podcast, we have last year's CMAO Rising Star winner and this year's nominee for Male Artist of the Year, Aaron Allen. I am super excited for that one. 
My name is Tim Albertson. You can check out my music at www.timalbertsonmusic.ca. Also, make sure to follow us on Facebook and YouTube. Just search the Canadian Country Music Podcast. We post all the live interviews the day before the big podcast comes out. And if available, we also get the artists on there for a live Q&A chat. That's right. You get a live Q&A chat while you're watching taped Q&A. You get two for the price of none. Also, if you're an artist and you have some insight you want to share about your experiences, please, please email us at the ccmcast at gmail.com. Until then, everyone, stay safe, be kind to one another, and I will see you all next week.